So, hello. Uh, welcome to our second Edinburgh-themed You Should Have Been Here Last Week. And uh, this week, uh, we're interviewing Kate Copstick, uh, critic, chief critic of The Scotsman, and I suppose the, the most famous reviewer in the Edinburgh Fringe. And you'll notice that I'm the only person who's interviewing her because, unfortunately, Steve, you were doing a gig, weren't you? I was. It was not unfortunate because, uh, you know, gig, gigs mean money. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I believe it went very well. It's uh, quite sparky. Yes, she was on full ranting form. It oh, took me cause... 15 minutes before I could even introduce her because she just started off on uh, on 11. <laughs> well, that's what we want. So uh, here we are, Kate Copstick. I mean, I was very hard pushed to find anything very much that I wanted to go and see in this year's Fringe. Oh, right. Okay, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you. I mean, um, for years and years, I've you know, it's it's exciting because you think, oh gosh, well, I've never heard of him. That sounds great, or this sounds good, or oh my goodness, he's doing something different. Um, and of course, you know, I go through trying to find the people that are upsetting people, this, yeah, I mean, you could see the change kind of, not so much a change as a kind of disintegration happening. But then when you, when you get that thing that is the Edinburgh Festival, which is, you know, a thousand of the bastards all together in one place going me, 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 yeah. Uh, which they've been doing for the year, but just spread all over the place. So we're hmm. all in one place at one time. You kind of notice the toxic self-obsession of it all. I mean, I'm ancient, obviously, as we know. So, uh, you know, I was around when comedy was about laughs. Hmm. It was quite good. That was I quite enjoyed that. It was difficult. It could be very difficult, but you know they worked really hard and they they did it. Hmm. Uh, and then you know we had a little bit of politics at the beginning. It was great, like everything, because the people who were doing a little bit of politics were very good at it. Hmm. The people who do it at the beginning, the people who break the genre, are very good at it because they've got to be because they're the first. Yeah, and because they are breaking whatever genre is because they care, because they have a passion for what, however it is they want to change it. Then once they've made a success of it, you know, the cunts come along who just want to be part of something that's successful and, and say the right things. And, you know, we've been, we've seen all the, uh, hello, good evening, my pronouns are Z and whatnot, coming along. But all of a sudden, um, to me, it seemed that this fringe, looking at the programme, Jesus, pity, fucking Christ. <laughs> Everybody's brave. Everybody's bravely talking about their brave struggle with an ingrowing toenail. I mean, it could mm. be, you know, and it, uh, in the middle of last year, 
I found out that I'm not just a miserable cunt, I'm autistic. Woo! And I'm bravely confronting that. Um, if you can get a proper medical diagnosis that pathologizes your dodgy bits, and let's face it, we all have dodgy bits, then it's like a superpower. Nobody can be horrible to you, and bang, you've got an Edinburgh show about you bravely confronting it. But aren't you railing against the wind? Uh, you, yes, you're basically oh, I saying... am. I, I absolutely am. And it's it's not just... I'm being brave, Paul. <laughs> being very brave. Because what has happened is it's not just railing against the wind. Mm. One rail, one pole, and that's it. You're out. You know, you're... It's it's not just you can't say anything. It's not that. That's ridiculous. No. But, I'm glad you're not saying that. It, no, no, no. It's becoming... And it's not that there isn't uh, a lot that is right and true in a lot of what is being said. It's just that it's it's being done in such a... You know, for people that are banging on, for example about being non-binary, they're doing it in such a binary way. The black and white of argument is, is it's just reducing everything to he or she or they uh, who shout loudest. Uh, well, the shout loudest thing I, I, I won't argue with because I think that comedy is about a lot of that anyway. Some people just mm -hmm. shout louder without actually even being funny. But... In a world of self-obsession, because you're talking mm -hmm. about self-obsessive shows, we're yep. in a world of self-obsession. Um, how, uh, why would comedy be any different? I mean, I think if you are, if you've just, you know, if you've had terrible childhood, uh, you were never popular at school, uh, you find reading very difficult, you uh, like to keep your dominoes stacked in order of uh, the number of chips that are on the back side of them. Uh, and you quite like wearing lipstick every so often. I don't give a shit. I just don't care. If you want me to care, make me care. And if your chosen field is stand-up comedy, make me care by making me laugh. Yeah. Okay. It's not too much. Or don't do a stand-up comedy show. You know, uh, make me care through the medium of juggling or, you know, confectionery or mm. whatever. But don't just assume I give a shit. Because I genuinely don't. I was going to say, they don't have to care what you think. Do they? No, I mean, of course. Oh, good God, of course not. In fact, it would help if they didn't give a fuck. That's absolutely call. right. And why should they? I'm just a rancid old bitch who, you know, gets her rocks off saying nasty things. There is no reason why, why they should care what I say. I mean, there are lots and lots of comics that I know, and some comics I've had, to, I have to stop reviewing because. I just like them so much. I make allowances for them mm. that I wouldn't make for other comics. You know, similarly, there are not very many 
but there are very few comics that I just dislike so much that I don't think I could give them a fair review. But it's, um, no, people should not care what I say. Yeah, but they do. I haven't even introduced you yet. Uh, we've gone straight into full rant. Sorry. Uh, that's I'm okay. Sorry. I've made uh, a balls up of this, haven't I? No, I mean, I think people watching go, great, we got straight into the action. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, Cape Copstick is the person I'm talking to today. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually you go. You go. listening to. I'm listening to today. And uh, I'm going to say something silly, actually, because um, most people don't call you Kate. They call you Copstick. No. I went through a phase very, well, in school, where I wanted everyone to call me KC. Uh, mm. When I was very young, when I was, you know, a, a child, uh, I wanted people to call me Ken. So uh, that sounds like the basis of a really modern show. Well, I, yes. I felt very comfortable kind of being treated like a boy. But uh, that, so then after that, it was all very sort of androgynous. It was KC. Um, and then it was an English teacher at school, Donald Campbell. <gasps> He's still my beating genitals. Um, and he would go up and down in between the desks and, uh, you know, go, so um, Racine, what does that mean? Copstick. And he'd thwack you across the back of the head. Wow. Oh, my God. I think it was probably just a deeply sexual experience all round, and that has informed the rest of my life. Where uh, I never got the Donald Campbell effect, mm. uh, anyone else calling me Copstick, but I just feel, I don't feel comfortable as a Kate. Certainly don't feel comfortable as a Catherine, which mm. is, but... Um, I might do an Edinburgh show because I'm being very brave about it, aren't I, Paul? Yes, you are, actually. I'm surprised. You know, <laughs> but I'm still impressed with your bravery. Yeah, it, thank you. Thank you. And I feel, what I feel is that by boring people, so sorry, by talking about it hmm. at great length, I'm helping other people to be brave about it too. And and kindness, I think, is the most important Kindness. Word. My watchword. My watchword. K for Catherine, K for kindness. Mm. That's me. Kate Cotton. <laughs> but it's um do people feel that comics sorry, that critics should be kind? Um is, is that what people want from a reviewer? No, they don't. I think obviously as, as someone who used to be a, a critic of um of music. Mm -hmm. Right for publication. Of course, obviously, it's more fun writing the the nasty ones. Even though, I suppose, if you see something that that does really touch you, that's also great to write. I think if you're going to write a really damning review, you'd better write it fucking well. Yeah. Although nowadays, in the the era where feelings trump absolutely everything, all I need to say is, "Well, his hour made me feel uneasy." Hmm. And that's it. But no, I think if you're going to rip into somebody, you need to know exactly why. You need to articulate. But I, I do think that uh, a really sort of copstickianly evil review will do two things. One, it will intrigue enough people hmm. that they'll go and see it. Yeah. Because... You know, it's not really my 
right, maybe that's not the right word, place to stop people going to see the show. Mm. Not, I mean, I would now, if it's one of these appalling, unforgivable, look, I'm playing to a thousand people and it's 25 quid a ticket. If I could stop everybody going to all of these shows, I would, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. But if it's a show, you know, or in a free fringe venue or something, and um, I would never criticise somebody who looks like they're trying, who yeah. looks like they care. I think people need to go and make up their own minds. So I will put a kind of an entertainingly negative, I will write an entertainingly negative review uh, so that people will go, oh my God, oh shit, I've got to see this. Because um, A, the person's, the comic's never going to get better until they play to a load more people. B, I'm, there's hundreds of shows at the fringe that just skimming through their blurb I know I would loathe. Hmm. I like, in comedy, I like risk. I'd rather see somebody crash and burn yeah. than see somebody be nice for 50 minutes, uh, be cliched for 50 minutes, be kind of recreationally woke for 50 minutes. Ooh, I would rather see well. somebody have a catastrophic failure. I'd rather see somebody be appalling. I'd rather see somebody be a fa It's the fringe. It is the fringe. That's where you go with the weird and the wonderful and the appalling and the strange and the dangerous. The fringe. Uh, I mean, obviously, I agree with you. But what's wrong with a nice show? What's wrong with a nice, nice show? No, no nothing. Uh, I just, you know, I just think that what I like yeah. is risk and what. And a good grief, I was on the, I might have been the first person to give Michael McIntyre five stars. Boy, he's a genius. Wonderful. But um, there's, there's nice in gentle and... Uh, kind of inclusive and everything. Yeah. And there's that kind of politically correct nice in that, you know, if you're being heckled by somebody in the front row, you ask what their pronouns are first before saying anything to them. I've got to be honest, with the pronoun thing, I'm quite happy to use whatever pronoun anyone wants me to oh, use. Oh, me too. I am... Just basic politeness. No skin off my nose. Yeah. Um, but uh, I read somewhere 70% uh, of 17 to 25-year-olds think that misgendering should be uh, a criminal offence. Um, well, it's the world we live in, Paul. That is true. That is true. Uh, so that's... Um, I just... I like... I really like the crazies. And I think that the, the, the blandification is not to do with... Um, uh, the, the woke generation and everything. It is a, a, a bit for some comics, but I think that mainly it's to do with comics wanting to become them off the telly. Mm. You know, and you don't become them off the telly if you're, you know, consignia or, 
you know, or some of the some more dangerous comics. And I, I think it, there's an awful lot of, I just seem to remember people doing stand-up because they had a passion for stand-up because there was this crazy thing that they had to get up and do and it was all a bit weird and um, and it was wonderful. It was the passion that was there, even at the fringe, which is where you should be, where your passion should be taking you. No one's re doesn't one pro- well. That's not true. They do. I, I'm seeing a lot on free fringe forums and whatnot about the the excitement of bringing something new. Uh, the the excitement of seeing what the audience will do with it because the the one great thing about Edinburgh is that you the Edinburgh audience is everybody it's the world yeah you know it's not just well you know they don't like that kind of thing in Basingstoke you've got everybody so there is excitement but a lot of the time it's all about getting telly people in it's all about getting agents in it's all about getting a, you know a big plan in motion for the business end of it which in many ways is very admirable i mean hugely admirable i just find it sticks in my aged crawl a bit that this is happening at a fringe that started so kind of exuberantly and so fringily mm. and now it's just a trade fear. Yeah, um, I, I think that's been happening for a number of years. I, I admire and I love the comics who, who have, and, and there are, you know, we, there are not enough of them, but still some who have their audiences who are very faithful and they love them and they're live performers. Yeah. You know, the the be-all and end-all of their professional year is not getting on, you know, eight out of ten cats does yet something else pointless. I'm, I'm just so, so, so grateful that... Peter Buckley Hill is still there. And, you know, I know other free fringes are also available. But I the, the free the, the people, the little it's wonderful to see some other little venues bouncing up again. You know, the Scottish Comedy Festival down at the Beehive. Those that's that's fringe. Yeah. That's fringe, and that's wonderful, and that's what will if it does stay alive, that's what will keep it alive. I don't review anything playing anything, anyone playing to more more than three hundred people, or charging more than a tenner. Right. Okay. So I was I was going to ask what your criteria is, but that's it. So yeah, it's just... that's it. Uh, I don't want to go and see somebody in a big venue. I try not not try, but I I like not going to shows in the in the paying venues. Um, I very rarely, if ever, go and review something because a PR person gets in touch. I don't think this sounds terrible. I don't think that's kind of the right attitude. Well, I've got to get PR, got to get this, got to get that. Do it yourself. I, I do, 
I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but most certainly, I would say most people kicking around Edinburgh and going to uh, shows would be more likely to go and see a show because uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about comedy, but I know what I like. Dot com has given a show a five star review online immediately. Oh, I'm standing out here outside this show. I was nearly sick with joy, so I thought I'd write my review now, kind of thing. Oh. That will almost certainly get more people into your show than a Scotsman. Yeah, review. even one of mine performers are getting very. Um, yeah, well, thanks for the four stars, but you didn't really give me any pull quotes. And then they'll get in touch and go, like, I know you gave it a three, but, you know, it's not a three. It's definitely a four. Kind of a matter of opinion, isn't it? It's, yeah. And it, I mean, I loathe the star system. Well, I was going to get onto that. One, is the star system ridiculous and for yes. purpose, seeing that <laughs> only one or four or five matter. And uh, the other one is, second question is, a supplementary question. Have you ever written a free reads like a four? <laughs> um, the the star system is 100, just about uh, PRs and producers, want to, and of course, performers. Yeah. Uh, wanting nice, jolly badges to put on their posters. That's all. It's a marketing tool purporting to quantify something which is not really quantifiable in that way. You would have to be able to go um, at material, five stars, presentation, one star. But what you would have to be able to, you know, when you're seeing a five-star show, but that's not about it being a five-star show. You know when it's just special and when it's it. You know, it's like falling in love. You know, I, I always used to say that one-star show is I would not fuck you if you were the last sentient being on Earth. A two-star show is... Well, you know, if you absolutely, if you came up with a really good reason, um, or if I got drunk and I was desperate, uh, a three star is, it might be a kind of any port in a storm shag. Uh, a four star is, yeah, I was in the mood. A five star is, I would follow you to the ends of the earth to get your pants down. Sorry, Doesn't that's the. <laughs> That's a way of describing the star system. Yeah, well, that's so shocking. That's my way. Of, yes. Yeah, it's free. Like you caught me at a good time. Is yeah, that exactly? Then what you've got to take into account is you've got some, you know, rancid old war horses like me. Mm -hmm. Then you've got some. Everything's wonderful. It's all just great. Oh my goodness, I'm writing reviews. Then I've got the. Oh, if I give him off the telly a really, you know, five stars, maybe he'll fuck me. Everybody's got their own reasons, and not all of them are justifiable. Hmm. Um, because everyone knows that if you give something a five star review, they're probably not going to read. Nobody's going to read, read the review. They just go marvelous, five stars. I always wanted to, and unfortunately, the Scotsman won't let me do it. Um, 
always wanted to go, you know, Paul Ricketts, five stars. Yes. And then the body of the email goes, I have rarely sat through such a lazy, self-satisfied <laughs> clock of shit from the curly-haired one. This is, And so... If people go, I went to see the show and it was a crock of shit. And you go, well, if you read the review instead of just going by the stars, yeah, I think it's a terrible, terrible, terrible system. And yes, in answer to your second question, of course, I do not consider I have ever written a three that uh, read like a four or a one that read like a five. No, I write exactly what I think and I star according to my assessment of what that's worth but you know you performer types are always clutching at straws when people I say when people were more passionate I got threatened um yes after a one-star review can't remember I mean I don't not often I think I probably avoid going to going to shows that I think oh that's going to be absolutely dreadful hmm. I, oh, you know, it's always, nobody wants to get a three-star. Yeah. But three-star means that was a good show. You know, my knickers are not dripping with excitement or, you know, horror or fear or anything. But it's a good show. It's fine. It's good. But everybody wants to be special. And, you know, the fact is just everybody is not special. Your special place which is yeah. as a gatekeeper, because you could say that people follow your reviews because they trust you after reading them over a number of years, so yep. therefore they'll trust what you say. Yep. And obviously there was a point when you yep. could become the Sharon Osbourne of comedy. Yep. Uh, when you're on uh, Show Me the Funny. Yes. As the harsh judge. So... <laughs> So the persona has been built up by yourself. It's fun. You know, it's much more fun to be Cruella Deville than, you know, Wendy and Peter Pan. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it is people's careers you're playing with. So you can't just go, I'll say something shitty and everyone will think how witty I am. Um, I think er I, earlier on in uh, whatever career I was in, I was probably... Uh, much more egotistical. I think I enjoyed the whole <gasps> it's Kate Copsnick um, thing. Now, I, I mean, I'm not saying I do. Of course I fucking do. It's, you know, it's all very flattering and but um, I don't, I honestly do not think that my words wield enough power to stop somebody going to see a show. I, I, what I kind of aim for is that bloody hell have to go and see this. It sounds yeah. awful. Or, you know, just to say what I think, what I believe, you know, quite often what I, what I cannot bear is smugness or mm. self-satisfaction. And you do get that a lot now. Yes. But if there's good, some good stuff in there, you can't just go, I'm not saying, you see, I, you know, I find this person incredibly irritating and um, uh, I can't help but feel this 
review will disappoint them because they obviously adore themselves way more than any reviewer ever could. <laughs> uh, but, you know, to be fair, there was this good joke and that good joke. But um, I had to go outside and get myself into an oxygen tin after, you know, the suffocating smug that pervaded the what's it, you know. Um, re I remember one time, I forget who it was, but, oh, no, I do, but I'm not going to say. I, I went to see, it was a newbie, and it was just terrible. And I don't think, I think it was terrible anyway, but he was also having a, it's a he, um, bad night. I thought, right. I, there's no point in reviewing that show. Yeah. So I, I said, um, think you remember me having a bit of a bad night. I will try to come again, but I just don't think it'd be fair to put in a review. Mm. Does that sound really patronising? I think he would have been relieved. I see a lot of baby reviewers, and they're they're so full of self-importance. And, you know, I, I, do, <laughs> I do a lot of earwigging in bars and in queues and whatnot. But they're talking like, you know, they're career makers and career breakers. Yeah, they've got a lanyard. Uh, well, <laughs> and, oh, my goodness, does my palm itch to smack? You're basically a parasite. You do realise that? You, know, you are a parasitical entity. Well, isn't Edinburgh full, full of parasitical entities? It's, it's... Yeah. It's, it's and that's that's one of the things, one of the tragedies of the fringe now. Agents, PRs, parasites. Yeah. You know, journalists, parasites. Uh, the person printing your poster. Yeah, if you're going, yeah, I could direct your show. Parasite. It's a fucking stand-up show. It's a, mm. a person and a microphone and he's speaking. What's to direct? You know, oh, I'll um I'll go over your script with you. Parasite. Just a great big sludge pool full of parasites. I'm, be I'm actually beginning to feel sorry for the comets now. Well, well yes, you should to do. Survive. I'm hoping to, to make that happen by the end of this interview. I was going to say <laughs> about uh, the quality of criticism. How do we improve that? I mean, there's prizes for comedians and there's not one for criticism. And I was thinking, if there was a prize for that, perhaps that might improve it. Do you want to start one? No. no. I think there's too many prizes. Mm. I think prizes can be, you, prizes are really quite toxic. I'm not saying that, that there shouldn't have been, you know, a Perrier Award and whatnot, but look at the toxic effect that had on stand-up. Because you had to do 50 minutes, you had to... Uh, there had to be the 40-minute dip. There had to be... Yeah, moment of poignancy at 40 minutes. And that is... That's not necessarily how comics become great. No, it's the formula of an Edinburgh show, which is a different yeah. entirely. That's right. And giving a huge prize for that makes that... Gives that formula kind of transcendency over... I thought I'd just be hilariously funny for 50 minutes. You know, a show should be should come into being because it's it's just it's just what you get a sudden gush. Quite like that word, a gush of um, inspiration meets uh, passion meets brilliance. 
and you suddenly realize that this, which is actually true, can be hung on this hilarious, but actually quite clever, you know, and you do that rather than, hmm, what are the judges going to like? So, and, and I do think that uh, standard, I mean, because standard of, of reviewing has to fall because there's about a million of us now and it's just ridiculous. Oh. The pay for reviewers, well, certainly for the Scotsman, it's not great. £25 a review, I get. What? What? Yeah. Really? I got more than that for music reviews, my God, back in the 90s. There you go. And, you know, of course, uh, I've got to pay for my own accommodation and everything. Hmm. So and that is not a boo-hoo. That's, you know, that's down to me. You know, I, I see a lot of uh, websites, uh, you know, all those uh, good but but baby, as it were, um, uh, reviewing sites. The cost of everything in Edinburgh now there's so many reviewers. You'll notice this August, so many reviewers not coming. Huh. I mean, this leads on to the obvious question, the future of Edinburgh, the state of the fringe at the moment. I don't think it can have one. And I think it has, through various um, incarnations of the board, uh, brought it upon itself. Hmm. Um, it started as a fringe. It was born as a fringe. It was brought up as a fringe and then there are various things changed it not for the better one comedy it was fine before comedy grabbed it by the whatnots and squeezed the juice out of it and all that comes with that the egos the management comedy really damaged the fringe yeah really damaged the fringe one thing that is very unsettling is the number of people who are coming up just to do a week. Lots of things can happen over the course of a month that cannot happen in a week, and then somebody else comes along. Yeah. So I think that that part of the, the fringe as an entity is dead this year already. And um, I'm quite sure what can be done to address uh, the egregious, greed of Edinburgh landlords. A lot of the reasons that everybody used to go are just not there. It's not that much fun anymore. You know what I mean? Just fun. Yeah, uh, I the, agree. You know, the crazies are being pushed out, but Peter, who ought to be given an OBE and a knighthood and a sainthood and everything people are coming along people who don't care so much about ethos yeah peter for example has fewer fewer and fewer venues each year um i don't know how it's going with laughing horse and whatnot but it's if the big four or five or eight or however many it is now could just bugger off because they're not fringe they don't ever want to be. As soon as I assume complete control, Paul, <laughs> I can tell you this now, uh, there will be no venues over maybe maybe maximum 500 allowed within 
the Edinburgh Fringe. It's become so corporate. And fringe should be the antithesis of corporate. I want to call it something else. Edinburgh's comedy comedy trade fair or, yeah. or something. And I I honestly I honestly don't think I want to come back next year. If it continues like this, and with the with the fringe um board and whatnot the way it is, I don't see it's getting any better. But I mean cultural change, we've got to accept it. So you know, as cultural much- change You've got to see that it's happening. You don't have to accept it. Oh, that's yeah, true enough. You know, I, I, you know, rage, rage against the dying of the light. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't, I think it's the coward's way out just not to go back next year, but I might. I'll go back. No, 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 no. So that was Kate Copstick and another person famous in Edinburgh who doesn't seem to believe that the fringe is going to exist in its present state, much longer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's still an amazing place. I mean, I, I would say that Edinburgh can be most the most exhilarating place on Earth, or also the, the loneliest. Comedy lexicon. So the phrase this time is, three stars, red like a four. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, in some cases, that may very well be true. Uh, you know, as in... Uh, you know, the, several critics are famous for going, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And uh, it's a startling new development in, in the art of comedy. Three stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's terrible because actually, and you know this, not only do punters, everybody just looks at the stars, don't they? They don't really yeah. read the review. Yeah. So they see three stars and they go, mm. and the vast majority of shows in Edinburgh all get three stars, don't they? Three stars. You should be proud of three stars. But um, you're not. <laughs> At the bottom line is, if you get a good review, it can put bombs on seats, and it can be the difference between having a massive overdraft and uh, an one. <laughs> so people are, you know, if you get a three star review, it's it's. I don't know. It's meh. Just, uh, I think it's, that's the yeah. word. That's yeah, the modern word I, for it. Yeah, they should change the uh, review system, shouldn't they? There should be. Oh my god. Uh, no. Ooh, and yeah, I mean, obviously, that's hard to spell. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did get five stars for my first show, but that was because I got reviewed twice by the same publication. I got three stars the first time, two stars the second time, and as far as I was concerned. That was five stars. There was even, um, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but, you know, stories going around in Edinburgh that um, you know, like the gardening correspondence of the Scotsman was sent out to review shows. You know, basically anybody that was... Um, no, they have a that, list. That for the pair. I have, yeah. they do have a list. I know this because um, one year I wasted £600 and got on a PR person. Yeah. They got someone who hardly ever wrote for the Scotsman to write a review, which got sent to me, in a Word document. I actually said to her, I said, well, is this going to be printed? Oh, well, he doesn't know if it's going to be printed, but uh, it's a review from the Scotsman. Uh, I contacted the Scotsman. They said, no, no, he's not on our list. Um, couldn't be used by me, which is good. Uh, not yeah. so good for two other acts who got four-star reviews off this bloke. 
oh, who then went crazy. Sake, so yeah. I had to tell them. I said, look, you can't use the stars. And at one point, they complained <laughs> to her. And, and they said, look, we pay £1,500 because they paid a lot more than me. And she said, well, what do you expect for £1,500? Because <laughs> I said, well, of course, you could say a Scotsman instead of the Scotsman. Uh, but it turns out he wasn't even yeah. Scottish. <laughs> I, I think I, we should address the elephants in the room, really. Is that I, I did once get a, a one-star review from Kate Costick. So... <laughs> but we'll gloss over that, aren't we? Well, I mean, she says that that is one of the best reviews you can get from her because then people will come see your show. Yeah, it didn't work with me. That <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, a pressure cooker, Edinburgh, and the star system is so everyone takes it so seriously, and yet, and yet, it only lasts for four weeks, and then outside of that. No comedy that's happening on the ordinary circuit gets yeah. ever touched by any of the papers, hmm. hardly ever at all. You know, it's, it's if you don't exist. You name it, gets reviewed all year long. Comedy, just three and a half weeks. <laughs> to quote Oscar Wilde, we're all of us in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. <laughs> <laughs> that reads like a five! It's like a five! <laughs> Oh, God. As we always say at the end of every episode, if you've enjoyed it, tell other people. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, share, even subscribe. I think you can subscribe on YouTube. Yeah, and you can buy us a coffee. The links are in the description. If you want to give us money and we'll happily accept it. We have other Edinburgh people that we're going to talk to. And so we'll see you at the next one. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.